0: In Chapter Three, in Verse Thirteen, the Apostle Paul writes, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind." and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless the preaching of your word. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that in my weakness, that we will see your strength and um, see you magnified um, through the preaching and magnified with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, fall in service, we got a meal to look forward to, amen? You know, I hear Bible says, forget the things in the past and look, look at what's ahead of you. And we got lunch coming, amen? But before we look that far ahead, let's get into the meat of the Word of God. Um, the, the bread of life that we see of Jesus Christ through His Word. And here we see um, the Apostle Paul um, stating that I count myself not to have apprehended. I mean, after he listed all of the virtues, all the characteristic traits that he had attained um, in in verse 5, where he talked about he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, toward the righteous touching righteousness was in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. All these things that were gained to him. And yet, he said, I have not yet apprehended. I have not yet arrived. Contrary to what the Judaizers were saying. They've been saying, be circumcised and you will be able to be saved. But you can't be saved until then. That, you know what? Follow this law. Obey this. Don't follow pollution, um, food offered to idols. Um, don't do this. Don't do that. I why I'm walking back here is to get my water in. <laughs> all the Judaizers, all these false teasers. They're trying to teach the people how they could arrive to perfection. And Paul states that you no, know, even with his heritage, even with his deeds, even with his duties, everything he's done, he has not yet arrived yet. But to strive for it. To strive. To press on. To, to strive for perfection. That we won't be able to attain it here yet, but to strive for it. To be perfect, even as the Father is perfect, as Jesus said. We are to strive for that perfection, even though we won't achieve it yet. But the day we see the Lord face to face, it will be achieved. But we might as well work on being more conformed to Christ. So that way we'll be closer to that then. That way it won't just be like, man, this vile person, and well, now he's made perfect. But live in this life is unto the Lord. And Paul says that, you know what? Yes, all these false teachers, these Judaizers, they claim to have arrived. And he had a far better resume resume than they had. And yet, he says, I have not yet apprehended. I have not yet arrived. And we see, but this one thing. We see it's a two sided coin here. This one thing I do, forgetting those things, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward unto those things which are before. Here he says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And this means that, you know, before, he was was seeking a life to be a good, faithful Jew. That um, followed a God of his own imagination. That imagined a God that was just after the works of the flesh in the sense of following the law. But God was looking for a man that would live by faith. And so when Paul saw that, he said, all that other stuff, all my achievements... All the pursuits I have, I count it lost. I count it as dung. I count it as poop. Garbage. Junk. Everything he was pursuing, it was a waste. And so he counted it lost. Everything that seemed to be going good. You know what? I'm going to forget about that. That's in the past. That is done. It's over. Forget the frivolous pursuits in life. Right? There can be that in our lives where we, we keep going after something and, and and sometimes we just, man, we can't ever obtain it. You know what? I mean, God wants us to let go. Let it go. Or many times you achieve it. You achieve status after status. Rank after rank. Apostle Paul, count counted as done. It's worthless. It's refuse. It, it, it doesn't matter in comparison to pursuing Jesus Christ. And so we see that he forgets the past successes in his own life. You know what we need to do at times? You know It's good in one sense. Okay, to remember the past in the sense of, wow, look at what God have done. You know There are times where God told Israel, you know Have stones of remembrance. Now, you may remember what I have done. But do we really just want to read about the past? Just read about what God have done back then? And that be the end of it? Or do you want to see miracles today? To see amazing wonders by God in your life. Not just about the good old days. But now. To see God working in your life. Not a God that is just a God of the past. But to follow worship the God that is the great I am. Forever existent. Past. Present. Present future that god is and that god is able to do wonders in your life and in the lives of others with the power of the gospel and so there are times that yes we remember the past in the sense of like wow you know what god has done these things but let's not keep that in the past let's see those things today and, and 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 in one sense, forget the things in the past. You know what? Your successes, your victories in the past. If you're not having victory today, it doesn't mean anything. Now, grateful, you'd be grateful. You know what? Maybe you know what, man. You had a victory there, and you builded a victory over here, and then, and then you're over here. You're continuing on. Then great. But even this year, when you're here, you don't want to go back over here. You want to forget the past of your successes. But usually our primary problem is forgetting the past mistakes. But that's part of forgetting that which is behind. To forget the past mistakes. That yes, every single one of you have really screwed up in life. Every single one of you. That's not your Joel Osteen message, I know. He would have said, man, every one of you, you're just so wonderful. Every one of you have really screwed up in life, including myself. We've all have sin in our life. We've all messed up. We've made mistakes. But really, a mistake isn't the right word. A mistake is reaching for salt and you grab pepper you've transgressed the law of God. sin against a holy, holy, holy God. Man you were wasting your life at one point. But with Christ and we receive a new life, gain victory. That no longer does God see our wickedness in the sense of seeing our unrighteousness, but He sees the righteousness of Christ on His children. And so, you know, we got to make sure we don't allow oh the past, the sins we've done, regardless of what it is. There are a lot of sins I can mention, but I know I would leave some out. But there may be even in your mind right now, Since you've done in the past. But you know what? You can't live in bondage to that. You need to forget it. I understand, man, the choices we make. Sometimes there's those scars. But the more you keep picking at those scars, the more it's going to be infected. And so as Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. You know what? Paul had a lot of good achievements. But you know what? He also... Persecuted the church of God. God's church. He persecuted. He hauled men off and women off, children off. And had them put to death by the authority of the Sanhedrin. Man, just imagine the guilt that would have weighed on them. Man, basically a Murderer. Now, understand, he was exercising the authority of the government. So it wasn't a murder in the sense of just him privately going off killing people. But he was doing it under the authority of the government. But still, what shame that would have been. Man, the God whom I claim to love, I persecuted his bride. The bride of Almighty God. I've had people killed. I was there when they stoned Stephen and gnashed on him with his teeth. And I gave consent to that. That's why Paul says, he talks about sinners, of whom I am chief. Man, he saw the vileness. He saw the sin. But even of the past, he knew he had to forget it. If he dwelt all his life on, oh man, I did this to the church. I did this to God. Um, I, I persecuted them. I had people put to death. I had people in prison. He would have been unfruitful in his life if that's what he focused on. And so he says, forgetting the things which are behind. Forgiving is in the past. Psalm one hundred three twelve says, As far as the east is from the west, so far have he removed our transgressions from us. East west. Go in opposite directions. God remembers them no more. Hebrews eight twelve says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That's the New Testament first reinstating what He already said in Micah in the Old Testament. And he's merciful. Their sins, their iniquities, He remembers no more. So why do we keep bringing it back up? Why do we bring our spouse's iniquities back up? No, it would be a good idea not just to forget your own sin, but forget your spouse's sin. Forgetting it. Forgetting to past, sin. Luke 9 verse 61 says, And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell which are at home in my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow. And looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, look back. Don't look back. That's not fit for the kingdom of God. When you're looking back. No. Keep your hands to the plow. Moving on. Going on the straight line. Letting go of the past. Letting it go. God's forgiven it. You confess it to God ask for forgiveness. You forsake it. It's just to forget the past. This one thing I do. Forgetting. The things which are behind. There are some things not to forget, though. Remember, you you need to remember your first love and where you've fallen. Uh, Revelation 2 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou be repent. There, Jesus telling the church, you know what? You've lost your first love. In the contest, he says you've done many good works, you've done many good deeds, you've done many good things that I'm pleased with. But you've lost that first love. You've lost that true desire for the Lord. It's lost. Just remember from whence thou art fallen. Remember when God saved you out of your sin. When, God, when you were in the miry clay. When you were in bondage with it. When not only did you sin here and there, like we all still do, but man, you the sin had dominion over you. It mastered you. You were a slave to it. You were addicted to the sin. Remember from which you were fallen. And then about how remember thy first love. Man, how Christ changed your life. But then so often for us Christians, man, we get saved, man, we live for God, we're doing well, um, we're, we're doing great works unto the Lord, and then we fall. We get stagnant in our spiritual life. We're at a standstill. And so we end up going backwards. And he says, no, remember thy first love. Man, that freedom, that liberty, that peace that you had in Christ. Remember that you've been forgiven of past sins and add to your spiritual growth. Second Peter 1, 9, speaking of those that aren't, build, aren't building on their faith, adding to their faith, virtue, adding to their faith, um, different spiritual characteristic traits. He tells them in verse 9 of Second Peter 1, But he that lack of these things is blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins forgets about that. Because he quit growing. Quit growing in their walk. And then they slipped. They fell. You've forgotten that. When you're not growing spiritually, you're forgetting what God saved you from. Don't desire to go back to Egypt. Don't desire to go back to the world after you've been delivered um, go ahead and turn you Exodus chapter four. Exodus chapter four. Actually, Exodus fourteen. Okay, Exodus 14. I'm going to Galatians 4 first. But you go to Exodus 14. Galatians 4 says, How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after ye have known God, or rather known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. You know, when you didn't know God... You live like you didn't know God. You live for the things of the world. But then after you know God, why go back to those beggarly elements? Those things that hold you bondage. Now the context is speaking of those that were trying to achieve their own righteousness by the works of the law. Those that were trying to earn their own righteousness instead of through God. I believe an application can be made to that. You know, when we're saved, we're living for a Lord, you know what? Don't go back to the pollutions of the world. Don't go back to Egypt when God's delivered you from Egypt. Exodus chapter 14 In verse 8. 14, verse 8. It says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. The children of Israel went out with a high hand. This means they were excited. They were dancing out there. They were so happy to be delivered from Egypt. They went out with a high hand. As if in a high five, they were rejoicing. They were so grateful for what God had delivered them from. They're rejoicing. They're so happy. So content. Rejoicing. They went out with a high hand. They couldn't wait to get out of Egypt to forget that bondage. They were going out in victory. But then, verse 9. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camping by the sea besides Pharaoh before baal And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. They were sore afraid. They were stuck between the devil and the Red Sea. Stuck between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in They were stuck between the devil and the Red Sea. They wanted to give up. Well, just earlier, they went out with a high hand. They were rejoicing. But now they were stuck. They were delivered and trapped. You know what? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But so are the stops. You know, there are some times where we get stuck because of our sin, because of our wrongdoing. We end up suffering consequences. And that's not a good place to be stuck. But there are other times we get stuck that were supernaturally intended by God. God led them there. God led them to the bank of the Red Sea. This was in the providence of God to happen. Stuck between the devil and the Red Sea. But it didn't mean that God did not lead them, leave them there. You know, Sometimes we get stuck when we're doing righteousness, when we're doing what God has us to do. But you know what? We lie to ourselves and others when we desire to go back to the old life. Just think about how odd, how amazing it is, how what was bad becomes so good when we turn bad. When they were in Egypt, Egypt was terrible. They hated it. Hey, look at all the pyramids. Probably built by them. Pretty likely. Man. Slaves. When they went out of Egypt, they went out with a high hand. But when they got trapped, all of a sudden, Egypt started to look wonderful. It started to look good. And the devil wants you to to see what you left. To make it look good to you when you're stuck. Now, it's amazing the excuses I've heard from third parties throughout the years of um, why other people would tell them why they've quit church, why they quit going, why they quit serving God altogether. But many times, you know, they quit church. They'll tell people, oh, it's something about the church they didn't like, something they didn't agree with, something about the preaching or the pastor. Somebody offended them, when in reality, oftentimes, oftentimes I know, many times I don't know, but a lot of times I do know through counsel and being with them. Many times they're out of church because of their sin. Not saying because they're out of church that that's their sin. But they've gone back to Egypt. They've gone back to the things that God delivered them from. And now I'm not going to tell the person that comes, tells me, and says, You know what, these people left. This is why. I'm not going to tell them, No, actually, this is why. They're in this. This is the sin they're involved in. I'm not going to reveal that information. Sometimes you want to when you know people are lying. Um, about why they left. But people make excuses. Uh, You know, usually it's because they don't want to feel conviction about their sin. They want to feel content. They'll usually attend another church for a few weeks or a few months so you'll get off their back. You You won't be too pushy with them or be too concerned. And they're going to a church where nobody knows them. Where they're not going to be held accountable for what's going on. And then they're going to get out of church all together many times. But yet, when they came to the church in the beginning, they came into the church with a high hand. They were thankful for the difference that Jesus made in their life. They were thankful for the people in the church that had an influence on them. They came basically dancing like, man, praise God. I loved being here. They were grateful to be free from the bondages of sin or for getting help, getting out of it. They were excited to worship God. They had a hunger to grow. They loved their new life. But then they got stuck spiritually. They became stagnant in their spiritual growth. They got stuck between the devil and the Red Sea. And so they look back to Egypt. They look back. They're stagnant. They don't have the excitement they once had. So They think, you know what? Maybe, maybe Egypt was better. They forget about the slavery. They forget about the bondage. They forget about their children being executed. Is remember, hey, at least we had food, we didn't have to search for it. And yet they didn't even like the food they had. Even. Don't go back to the devil. Don't go back to Egypt. He's a cheater. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a murderer. He's a counterfeit. He's a trickster. He's a con artist. He is that old dragon. He's going to be doomed to the lake of fire. But he know of he have but a short time. You're stuck between the devil and the Red Sea. It's not time to go back to the devil. It's time to stand still and trust God. Exodus 14 verse 13. It says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Don't go back. Don't lie and deceive yourselves and say, you know what? It was better when we were in Egypt. Why you bring us out here? Just because there were no graves in Egypt? You bring us out here so we could die in the wilderness? Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't be deceived from the appetites of your own flesh. When you're stuck, stand still. You ever notice, you know, when you're stuck, you know, say I'm holding my kids down, playing with them. Man, they're moving all around, trying to get out. Man, it starts to wear them out. But man, if they just stand still, and then they're building that energy, and then they strive to make that quick escape. Because he saved that energy in God. There's time where we just need to stand still. To be still. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And that's what Moses is telling the people. Fear not. Be still. For the salvation of the Lord going to deliver you, and you're not going to see them anymore. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And as you know, the biblical account goes, God divides the Red Sea. And they walk out on dry ground. Then the Egyptian army follows, and the water collapses them, and they see Egypt no more. Don't be deceived, don't try and go back to the past. This one thing, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, whether it was the sin or whether it was the successes. Forget those things which are behind. And reach forth those things which are before. Back in Philippians. This one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I forget the past, forget what's behind, and reach forward that which is before. Prison toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The imagery here of this verse comes from the athletic arena where runners would fix their eyes on the post, on the goal that they were running for. That marked the end point of the race where winners received a prize. The term um, goal was often used figuratively as an object of which one could fix their eyes upon and be guided to a safe and final destination. In the third century, a letter of Arises, he wrote, um, um, Life is rightly guided when the pilot knows the goal toward which he must make his way. When you don't make any goals, you'll hit it every time. But have a goal that you strive for, that you set your eyes on. Maximum effort without focus, concentration is useless. Man, can you imagine? There's the prize. There's the prize, and then there's the runner. Woo! 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 They're never gonna get to the goal. But someone that has their eye focused and they just focus and get to the end. You set your eyes on the goal and you pursue it. You forget what's behind you. You don't worry about the runners over there. You don't even worry about the runner that maybe is ahead of you a little bit. You just keep your eye on the goal. And that's what Paul is saying. I forget the things which are behind. The things that made me great. The things that I felt, and I forget that and I pursue the prize. I seek for the goal in life which is Christ's likeness. To be in Christ. To walk in the spirit of Almighty God. To make a maximum effort in any athletic endeavor requires participants to concentrate on the point straight ahead. Proverbs 4.25 says, Let thine eyes look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Oh, When believers have one driving compulsion. To be like Christ. They will move towards spiritual maturity. Because it's their focus. The goal. I praise toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what the goal? It's Christ-likeness now. Striving to be like Christ here and now. The prize is Christ-likeness in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the work in whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Man, where do you pursue Christ likeness here to keep our eyes focused on the goal and the price will have perfect Christ likeness In heaven, if you are in Christ. But he tells them, you know, I have not arrived yet. I have not attained. But let's keep making progress. In verse 15, he says, Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto to we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. You know, he talks a lot about the mind here. And he says, you know, if someone's going to be otherwise minded, they're not pressing for the goal, for the prize. You're not growing spiritually. God will reveal this even unto you. Sometimes it may be, mean chastening. The chastening of the Lord. Whom the Lord loveth, He chastened. God will reveal it to you. The word for walk here refers to walking in line. Paul's directive for the Philippian believers was to stay in line spiritually and keep progressing in sanctification by the same principles that had brought them to the point of growth they're currently at. Those principles, the way you've been growing, been reading the Word of God, been praying, seeking God's face. These same principles, keep in line. Keep in line. Don't hop out of the line. Don't go, go back. But keep in the line. Keeping your eyes focused. Pursuing Christ's likeness. Striving. To please him. You know, this battle is in the mind. The battle spiritually. So often in the mind. Here we, here we see, it says, Lest therefore as many be perfect. How about those that are being spiritually mature? Be thus minded. And if in anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Never whereinto wherein we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. The battle is in the mind. Philippians three, or Second um, Corinthians ten three says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that assault of itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, if we're going to forget the things which are behind And reach for the things which are before. To press toward the mark. To press toward the goal. We're going to have to utilize our mind to walk in the Spirit of God. We need to be conformed to the Word of God in our thinking. Instead of making the Word of God conform to our thinking. We need to conform our thinking, our mind to the Word of God. And many of the things that affect our mind are the things which we see. Times where we need to quit seeing some things. Quit looking at some things. Because it defiles the mind. Our spiritual warfare. It's about bringing every thought into captivity. In obedience to Jesus Christ. Times where we struggle. With anxiety. No, we need to put our thought. Let it be captive by Jesus Christ. Let our mind be obedient to Christ. To be focused, to be disciplined. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Use your mind to think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You know, sometimes we have the anxiety again about our past. Man, I screwed up. I mess up. God can't use me. you well, need to forget the past. Sometimes we focus on and go, Man, I was so successful back then. I, I was doing well. Man, before I started serving God, I was making the dough. I was making the money. I was doing well. No. Forget all that. Count that is done. It's with the mind that our battle is. And if we could just get our mind in obedience to Christ, having the word of God in our mind. Having it filter things. Having it filter our thinking. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Forget the past and reach for that which is before. Pressing forward toward the mark. Norma, if you could please come and play an invitation song. I don't want my life to be, may I serve God for four years, pastor in a of vine, and then it's over. Because looking at are the good things in the past we're looking at the bad things. I want to raise forward that was just before. Chris toward the mark. See, we got like seven pews right here. They're empty. You know, well, let's, let's, let's try it. She's counting to see if I did my math right. <laughs> this ought not to be. You know we can't focus on oh man you know what 20 years ago there used to be 150 people here you know you can remember in the good sense like, well you know what that means it can be done again today but you don't want to dwell on that you must pursue it today to seek after to pursue the goal to reach worth the things that are before be out soul winning Compelling them, going into the streets, the the highways, the byways, compelling them to come in. That my house may be full, Jesus said. That my Father's house might be full. Man, your life, I don't know what you're going through. Some things I might, but whatever you're thinking about right now, I have no clue. Well, you need to be able to forget things. Hopefully this will be a message you remember. I'm repeating myself a lot. Forget the past. Reach forward. Press toward the mark. God, let it go. Don't let the sins of your past hold you down. Cast off the sin and the waste that so easily beset us. Live for God. Now maybe there's been the sin you've been involved in currently. Let that become the past forward toward Christ there may be some in here you don't know if you have eternal life you don't know if you're going to heaven you don't know if you're going to hell you don't know if there's a God or not you can't know God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ become the children of God by faith in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he died for our sins, he paid the penalty, the judge, the almighty judge paid the penalty for your sin so that he could call you justified, to impute his righteousness to you come to Christ by faith.